we got to get into a playoff mindset. I think uh, the standings are, we all know what they are. They're so close and so tight in our division. And uh, we got to get into a mindset where every game is going to be low scoring, tight, tight fought battles, playoff like games. That's how we, that's what we have to worry about is uh, getting the wins, you know, each and every night. It's time for the Flames to buckle down. The final 32 game stretch tonight starts tonight. And it's time for this group to figure it out. And, and I don't know if they're going to figure it out. I really don't. I don't think anybody can sit here and tell you that they know whether or not this group is going to get it together and become the team that many expected them to be coming into this season. No, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't sit here and tell you whether or not that's going to happen. But I do know if it's going to happen, now is the time for them to figure it out. And let's be honest, they are not in a great spot right now. They're also not in a bad spot. I would say that they are in a tenuous playoff position as it stands right now, 50 games into their season. They're three points back of the division lead. They could very easily be in the playoffs. Absolutely, they could be there. At the same time, they've also been inconsistent for 50 games. They're just three points removed from being on the outside of the playoff picture. You heard the captain, Mark Giordano, on the way into the program, says it's time to get into a playoff mindset. It's time to buckle down. Well, there's no doubt about the fact that if this team does not start to raise their game and does not figure it out in the final 32 of this season that we might be talking about a real opportunity for this team to miss and I think that it would be pretty universal for people who follow this team that if the Flames are not a playoff squad come April that the 2019-20 season is a straight up abject failure no questions asked no doubt about it if this inconsistent identity is what we see between now and the end of the season yeah there's a very realistic chance they miss the playoffs so Kleiner it is time to figure it out I don't know how confident I am that it's going to happen I'm I know they're capable of it I know they've got the ability to do it but whether or not they actually do it that is what remains in question with 50 games in the books to this point. All I know is that if it's going to happen, the time is now. This break is done. This is the time for them to really start figuring it out and playing the way they need to play. Well, I mean, I, I think a great example of where this team is at right now is we are getting ready for game 51 tonight, about six hours away. And we're still making major changes to this lineup, not just little tinkering here and there. It's okay, well, let's mix up the top six, shall we? And the, the second line in particular. Those things don't happen on teams that are playing consistent, effective hockey. You don't see that with teams that are where the Flames thought they were going to be at some or at this point in the season. So, no, I, I'm with you. If If this thing continues to trend the way that it's going then I think the offseason is going to be a very noteworthy one for the Calgary Flames. I think a lot of changes will be coming, but this team has 32 games to change that. This team has 32 games to right the ship, get back to the team that we thought they were going to be coming into this season. It's not even continuing a tremendous 
last season, right? Where you win the Pacific Division and well, the Western Conference done, regular right? season. Like that, yeah. that almost has to be behind. Like, yeah, we can't the, be thinking about that anymore, no, can but we? The, no, this has to be, just get to where we thought you were. Like, the, yeah. We're not asking for a team that is just a complete automatic 100 points every year. All right, let's go dynasty this thing. Just play the way we thought you could. Like I said earlier in the year, play to your Hockey DB page. And I'm cool with it. But there's like two guys on this team who are doing that. And if that continues, this is going to be a big offseason of change. This is a huge 32-game stretch for this team, this franchise, and a lot of players on the squad. Well, and you talk about how this is a potential lead-in to serious change if if what we're talking about doesn't happen and, you know, say this team does end up missing the playoffs or say this group does just sneak in and then they get the doors blown off in the postseason. Well, if that's the case, I think you're right. This is a scenario when we're talking about lots of change and and I don't believe that we're in the minority when we're talking about that. So that's why I say, okay, yes, it is time for the Flames to start playing significantly better, no doubt about it. It is time for the top players on this team to truly start turning it up. And Pinder and I talked about this yesterday on the program. But, you know, it's Giordano, it's Gaudreau, it's Monaghan. But Derek made a good point on the roundtable yesterday. Those are the three guys that I think get the most of the headlines. And they're the guys that are going to be talked about the most. But... Michael Backlund, Sam Bennett, Mark Jankowski, Travis Hamannick. There have been plenty of underachieving players on this team this year. And it is time for, as a group, the guys who have underachieved, it's time for them to start taking steps forward. Yeah. And and for me, Klein, there's no doubt about it. Leading the way is this group's top players. They need Giordano to be a whole lot closer to the guy he has been the last half decade. They need Gaudreau to be dangerous every single night. They need Monaghan to start scoring more. They need Backlund to be more of a an offensive catalyst and, and to give you something on a more regular basis. That That's what this group needs. And... These players that have underachieved, if you're a little further down the lineup, a lot of teams can deal with that. But when you've got underachieving in your depth ranks and you've got mass underachieving from your from your top-end players, it's going to hurt you, and it's going to put you in a spot where you're one of the lowest-scoring teams in the league and, and you're fighting for your playoff lives as we start to look into February. Well, we, we talk about three players that need to step up. You could almost just do the reverse and it's okay, well, here are three players who've been consistent all year long. Lindholm, Ryan, and Goalie X. And aside from that, I mean, you, there's a couple other guys you could put in there, but it, it, you could almost do the reverse because there have been so many players that you're just wanting more from. And again, you could look at this glass half full, and this is a team that's three points out of a playoff spot. They're also three points from being out of a playoff, or sorry, yep. three points out of first place. They're also three points from being out of a playoff spot. So this is this is not a comfortable spot. This isn't, yeah, we've sucked, but look where we're at. This is, okay, you got a game against a pissed off Blues team tonight, an uber pissed off Edmonton, Edmonton team the next two games after that. You go 0-3 in that stretch, and you could find yourself on the outside looking in. This is this is the time where we figure out what this Flames team actually is. If it's the reverse of last year, and coming out of this break, they just light the world on fire, then I'm at ease and everything is fine. If it's not, I, I think there are some big problems here. So this is, this is a big one tonight, just kind of to see 
Where are you at in terms of where your game is from a consistency level? Well, and and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this coming into kind of the the unofficial second half of the season or the unofficial start of the stretch drive, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I'll bounce this off of you. They've got about three and a half, four weeks until the trade deadline, which is Feb 24 when they're on the road in Boston. So between now and then, they've got a good chunk of hockey. And my belief is right now, with what we've seen through 50 games of this season, with the level of play that we've seen from this group, with the level of consistency we've seen in their play, I do not believe that they are one player away. I don't. I don't believe that this is a group that is one player away from being a Stanley Cup contender. So, as such, I'm really interested to I'm really interested to see what we get from them between now and the trade deadline because if they don't get more from the players that we're talking about, if they don't get more from the top-end players that they need, I don't know if going out and making the type of trade that so many people have been talking about makes a whole lot of sense. Like, if they're not going to get it from the guys they need it the most, they're really not one player away. If all of a sudden the guys that we're talking about do turn things around and do become, to your your phrase, you know, closer to their hockey DB page, if that happens, well then, yeah, you can convince me that making a trade and, and going out and adding and being a buyer at the deadline makes sense. But if it doesn't happen... I don't, I don't know if it makes any sense to go out and trade a first-round pick or trade a prospect or whatever you would need to do to bring in that all-important winger that we've been talking about for so long because if the first thing doesn't happen, well, that all-important winger isn't as important because what does it do for you? A, a guy that you're going to get at the deadline isn't pushing you over the top unless your top guys are truly leading the way the way that they need to. Well, you look at where the Flames' offense is at right now and just running the numbers real quick, at the pace of their top points getters, which would be Kachuk and Goudreau, their leading point getter this season is going to have 62 points. I don't care who you're trading for. You're not winning that way. That Like, that's just, that's not, if Johnny Goudreau is on a 62-point pace, this team ain't going anywhere. And... You can make a few arguments around that, but the the fact is, I don't care how much you love Kyle Palmieri, if Johnny Gaudreau is rocking 62 at the end of the season, this season is probably going to be a failure for the Calgary Flames. You don't want to put it all on one dude's shoulders, but when you see last season, when he is playing at that elite level, which a lot of us thought he kind of graduated to, when he's playing at that level, he raises so many other players around him that... Maybe they are just a last season's Johnny Gaudreau away for making a bit of a push. But when he's down, it brings down so much more of this offense because the puck is just on his stick all the damn time. And it becomes a bit more difficult to run that offense. So if he's struggling, then you're right. It doesn't matter who you go out and get unless you're getting an absolute franchise changer. It's not going to matter. Well, and and I just... There's, there's no, there's none of those guys that are truly available at the trade deadline. How many, how often are franchise changers there? There are guys that can make you deeper. There are guys yeah. that can turn you into, you know, being a, a three-line team into a four-line team or a two-line team into a three-line team or however you want to phrase it. Those guys exist at the trade deadline, and I think they will exist at this year's trade deadline. But that's not what the Flames would need if their top players aren't truly pulling their weight. Look, Lindholm's been great this year. Mm-hmm. I think. 
Kachuk has been very strong more often than not. Uh, I, I think you talked about the goaltending and how consistent it's been this year. I think Rasmus Anderson has taken a big time step for, steps forward. I think Derek Ryan has been another consistent player. Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane have really emerged as full-time NHLers, which I think is a very important development for this team. Like There have been positives, and there are things that you can say, okay, this is, this is something that we want to fall back on, and these are the things that we are feeling good about heading into the trade deadline. But those things alone don't make you a Stanley Cup contender. And I just, if, if a first-round pick is going to be on the table or if, or if top prospects are going to be on the table to go out and get a rental or to go out and get a Kyle Palmieri, as you throw out there, I, I just don't know if it's worth it unless we start to see a serious uptick from a few of these guys, from a Backlund, from a Gaudreau, from a Monaghan, whoever you want to point to. If you see that type of uptick, well then, yeah, maybe this conversation becomes a little bit more valid. I just, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense if that doesn't happen because I don't know what that one player at the trade deadline is is truly going to turn you into, if that makes any sense. No, I agree. Like, it's, if the guys that are already here aren't going to step it up, then it doesn't matter what you are bringing in. Uh, again, not to, to harp on this, but Goudreau and Kachuk are the team's leaders in points this season. They are at 38. They are tied for 63rd in the National Hockey League uh, with such offensive powerhouses as Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Brock Nelson, and there's a couple of good ones in there. I'm cherry-picking, but it's that's not good enough. If your top players are 64 and 65 in the league in scoring, there's a problem, and the problem's been the offense all year, and a lot of it is Johnny Gaudreau hasn't been the player we thought he was going to be. And if that continues, again, can't say this enough, it's not going to matter what you're bringing in. Some pushback on the text line, however, at 960-960 on that. Um, Yeah, Uh, let's let's see what we got. And I thought we nailed that. Not being one player away is a dumb argument. Last year they won the West, and the narrative was not to add because didn't want to disrupt the room. GM should always be trying to make their team better. Well, I was—I certainly didn't believe that last year. I was very oh, no. adamant that this team should go out and aggressively add at the deadline. That was—I uh, Pinder and I got into some really interesting conversations about it last year. I believe that them going out and getting a Mark Stone or them going out and getting a Jason Zucker and like where they were last year, I firmly believe that, that this team needed to go out and add and they tried it didn't end up working but no that was not my narrative whatsoever my, yeah I was I my, was super trade first round pick last year I was I was very on board with that and I year. could still be that this year but you've got you've got about a month here to see okay if if this truly is a pivot moment if this truly is okay you're back from an eight-day break it is time to rock and roll well then if the players that are in question respond, then yeah, I could still absolutely be in the conversation that a first-round pick makes sense. What I'm saying is if we're seeing this in 15 games' time, if we're seeing this in the last week of February and and the story remains the same, that's when I say I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to be trading a first-round pick or trading away top prospects because what are you really? That's that's yeah. more the point that I'm trying to make. So what, what do you have to see if you're going to be, okay, let's – Chips in, this team's ready, let's go. Is there anything you can see over, I haven't counted how many games there are between now and the trade deadline, but over the next handful of games, less than a month away, is there one thing in particular you're looking for? And okay, boom, that's it. That's what we're looking for. Or is it just play three good games in a row? 
it's it's more about just the overall game. Like, can they yeah. establish themselves a standard? Can they establish themselves an identity between now and the trade deadline? And I don't know if that's going to happen, but if they can, then, then yeah, I think there's a valid conversation to be had about going out and trading a first. I just, unless they start to separate themselves from the middle where is that that's exactly where I think they are this is a middle of the pack team and I think you can make the argument there's like 20 middle of the pack teams until they start to differentiate themselves from that middle pack I don't think like I don't think it makes a ton of sense for any of those there were years where Minnesota was giving up first round picks to bring in Martin Hansel and like yeah. you're like what what are they what are they doing like is this, this Acquiring Martin Hansel and giving up what they're giving up to bring him in, does that turn them into a, uh, a top-flight Stanley Cup contending team? No, it doesn't. Like this, that's, that's what I'm saying. If this is a middle-of-the-pack team, I don't believe one player turns you into an elite team. They're a middle-of-the-pack team for a reason through 50 games. Can they change that between now and game 65 or so when the trade deadline hits? That's what I'm wanting. So, yeah, for me, you ask the question, what is it going to take? It's going to take them starting to establish a standard, a consistent standard of what they are and the way they play. That is something that they did last season, even after the break when certain players dipped a little bit. Their overall team standard had still been set and they still lived up to it more often than not. That has not been the case one season later. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. Like I, I just want I just want to see the team play better. It, it's very simplistic, and I would love to have a, a grander answer than that. But look like a good team again for more than four periods at a time, and we'll be good with that. Some more pushback on the text line at nine six zero nine six zero. Mike says, "I think the Flames can potentially be one player away from a run." If you guys remember, in sixteen seventeen, Furland was inserted into the top line and helped turn Cadreau and Monahan's season around. If the Flames can find another answer like that in house, then they're one player away from having three lines deep again. I mean, yes, they went on a regular season run and then got pumped in the playoffs in four straight games by the Anaheim Ducks. Is that a mm-hmm. run? I don't know. Um, this reads wrong. A top six right winger is needed regardless of how Gaudreau and Monaghan are playing. Bringing in someone like Paul Mary would be huge. The start of a cultural change in the dressing room. I, and this Look, is not if trying to poo-poo that, but how does Paul Mary start a cultural change? That's not a core player. That's a 29-year-old, 28-year-old guy coming in and, and trying to give you a little bit more depth. I don't, I don't understand how that is a cultural change in the dressing room. And if you're looking to change the culture 50 games into the season, blow the damn thing up and start over like that if if we're looking for cultural changes at this point you're in a world of hurt and I know some people think this team needs that and it might end up being true but you can't just okay well let's just shift the entire dynamic of this franchise now at the deadline that's that's how big mistakes get made what else we got here at 960-960? No point trading the first-round pick when it's trending towards completely changing the core during the offseason. Uh, this reads, as it turns out, a zone or a stu- or a zucker wouldn't have done anything for these guys. Uh, what else we got at 960-960? Um, weeks ago, you were all in because this was the window. Things can ch- And I, I haven't said that I am completely checked out. But I'm I'm 50 games into this season watching this group. That's a fairly significant sample size. I still don't know what they are. If I don't know what they are at game 65 when the trade deadline hits, I don't believe that being all in is the way to go. If we start to see a much better idea of what they are 
for better or worse between now and the trade deadline, it gives me a little bit of a better feel as to way, the way that they should approach it. But I guess the point I'm making is right now, at this very moment, I don't know what the heck to uh, what the heck to expect on any given night from this Flames team, and thus I don't know what the best way for them to approach the trade deadline is because there's a lot that can change between now and when we get there. Um, what else we got here at nine six zero nine six zero? Um, if I'm being honest, I don't believe they're ready to go all in this year either. I just think it would be a shame to close this window without addressing the gaping hole that has been the right wing for the last four years. Again, I guess there's a couple of different points, or a, a couple of different ways you could attack that. If they're going to go out and bring in a 24-year-old who can be a part of this, then they're going to go find another Elias Lindholm-type player. That's one conversation. If they're going to go out and get a guy that's 28 years old with a year and a half left on his deal, that's there, there, there are different ways that you can attack that. I just don't know the likelihood of that quote-unquote core guy or younger guy that can be part of this group for the next five to eight years. I don't know if that guy necessarily exists on this year's trade market. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think a culture change or anything like that works right now. Yeah. So there's some interesting interesting conversations to be had. Yeah. I guess for me, and I'll, I'll bounce this off Pinder just after 2 o'clock as well. I'm curious to see what he has to think about it or has to say about it. I just I think there's a really important stretch between now and February 24th. What is this team? Do the people who make the decisions start to get a better idea of what this team is? And thus, does that start to frame the way they approach the trade deadline a little bit more? Like if they if they fall off and we're talking about them being two, three points out of a playoff spot come the trade deadline, does all of a sudden it turn into, hey, Jankowski, not Jankowski, I think he's been on the market for a while, but Hamannick or Brody, are these guys truly on the market? Or, or is there a far far less hesitation trading important players. Like that, there's a lot that can be determined between now and the trade deadline, and that's why I think that this is a very fascinating stretch that starts tonight against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, this is, this is going to be really interesting. This next month, uh, I think, kind of dictates a lot for the future of this franchise, and it's weird to put that much stock into 10 or 15 games, but it kind of has that feel of a bit of a, a fork-in-the-road moment right now given how last season ended and how this one started. Well, we are underway on the Steinberg Show today. Welcome to it. We haven't even gotten to tonight's game. We'll do that oh, in right. just a few minutes. It's the Flames and the St. Louis Blues tonight. 7 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will touch on that a little bit more as we continue on the program this afternoon. Don't forget, later on today, Sports Drive at 5, between 5 and 6 o'clock. Brought to you by Pete the Plumber, the superheroes of plumbing and heating. Call 403-257-1766 or find them at PeteThePlumber.com for all your plumbing and heating needs. Happy Tuesday. Happy game day. Steinberg shows underway. We're focusing in on a tough matchup to kick off the post-break schedule next on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It is game day from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Welcome back to the program. We're in our Better Business Bureau Hot Stone Lounge. The Flames coming off their all-star break and the first team they play just happens to be the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, who just happened to be 
rather upset about losing last night in Vancouver. The Blues on the second half of a back-to-back. They fell 3-1 to the Canucks yesterday, and today they take on the Flames. St. Louis looking to sweep the season series with Calgary. They've got an overtime win here at the Saddledome, which came earlier in the year. That was back on November 9th, a 3-2 overtime win for the Blues. And then on November 21st, a 5-0 Blues win in St. Louis. Welcome back to the program. Peter Klein, Pat Steinberg along with you. I will say this, if you're the Flames, to come out of the break with a game against the defending Stanley Cup champions, the worst thing in the world, there can be no excuse. I mean, there really shouldn't ever be an excuse for coming out flat and not being ready or whatever term you want to use. Like, for instance, they were on January 18th in Ottawa, their last game before the break. But there really can be no excuse for doing that against a team of this quality. Like, I don't think there's much of a question at all. If you're to say who the best team in the Western Conference is, it's probably got to be the St. Louis Blues. They also happen to be the defending Stanley Cup champions. Like, you better be up for this one coming out of the break. You can't, ah, well, Rusty, catch our legs. We'll see what happens in the second period. No, be ready because a bad first period, well, you could be down 3 nothing, and that's all she wrote. So... No real excuses to not come out primed and ready to go against a team like the Blues tonight. Yeah, the, the Blues came out pretty ready to go against Vancouver, out shooting the Canucks 37-26. They just happened to run into a, a hot Thatcher Demko uh, last night. So they were a team that, that certainly wasn't uh, allowing any rust or anything to set in. This is a, a matchup that the Flames are going to have to be ready from the word go, which has been a problem at times for the Flames this season. They're, they are going to need to be full marks against the St. Louis Blues, who are going to be a little pissed off after a loss to Vancouver last night and still have a lot to play for. The, the only hope from the Flames would be that it's kind of a rope-a-dope thing and the Blues had 37 shots last night and are just kind of wore out from trying that against the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Tonight <laughs> that's how that we're works, gonna, right? We'll do opposite rope-a-dope. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a good plan. If you're looking at the lineup for tonight for the Flames, here's what we're talking about. By the way, it's a 7 o'clock face-off. Sportsnet West on television, and we'll be on the air at 6 o'clock here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan with our pregame show. Labardius and I have got that for you from 6 till 7, and then Mr. Wills has got your call after 7 o'clock for the Flames and the Blues. Calgary starting Cam Talbot between the pipes tonight. I was very surprised that they did not give Talbot one of those three games on the road trip. They went with Riddick in all three of them. That surprised me. So as such, I I guess I can't really be surprised that they're going to Talbot tonight against St. Louis. Your thought on, I'm not surprised by it at all. Talbot's been good. I don't have, like they could have gone Riddick-Talbot or Talbot-Riddick. I wouldn't really have had any objection either way. Um, Talbot's been very good for the team. The only thing is, this is back to him going two, three weeks between starts and He's been pretty good. He's been riding a pretty hot hand. So that's the only thing that I'll be really watching for tonight, specifically Rust for Talbot, because it's been a while since this guy last played. Yeah, and that's a nice one. Hey, it's like, okay, first game in a couple weeks, and you're facing a team that almost had 40 shots last night. Go get them, Tiger. But I, I think at this point, I don't want to say interchangeable, but it. it Kind of interchangeable with the goalies. Talbot was playing effectively, and then Reddick comes on with two strong games leading up to the All-Star break, and the Ottawa game was just a, a weird throwaway game. So I, I have, I'm not surprised at all. I, I think this is the right move. Talbot doesn't play leading up to the All-Star break. Give David Reddick an extra day after he was 
a very big part uh, of All-Star Weekend. Give him an extra day's rest to get ready for the Edmonton Oilers. I have no problems with this. And then from there, we'll, we'll see who does better in these two games. And whichever one comes out with the, the better performance probably gets Saturday's game against the Oilers as well. I don't even know if I'm, like, guess it, it's... It's a guessing game again oh, totally. when it comes to goaltenders. I, yeah. uh, I can give you who I think would start or who I think should start. I can't really necessarily guess who's going to get the start, but it will be Talbot going in net tonight. In terms of the lines, you talked about it last segment, Mr. Klein. Like, here we are, 51. This is game number 51 tonight, and we're still talking about all kinds of lineup juggles, and it seems to be every three or four games we're talking about that. Here's the way things are going to look tonight. Elias Lindholm between Manjapani on the left and Kachuk on the right. Uh, you'll have Sean Monahan with Johnny Gaudreau on the left. Monahan at center, despite a little bit of misdirection yesterday with Monahan taking some turns on the wing. Instead, Derek Ryan will move to the ring to the wing on the right side of that line. So Monahan with Gaudreau and Ryan. Ryan on the right. That moves Michael Backlund back to center on a line with Sam Bennett at left. And recently recalled Buddy Robinson on the right side. Mark Jankowski will center a line with Milan Lucic and Dylan Dubé tonight. Your blue line, Jordana with Brody. Hannafin with Hamannick, Shillington with Anderson. Odd man out for tonight's game. Up front will be Ronaldo and Reeder. And on the back, Michael Stone. So once again we're talking about significant lineup shifts and guys moving positions and trying to find something that they can stick with for the long term. Yeah, and it's not a great sign when you you have to keep doing that, but it's not like things were going so great that there was no way you could possibly change it either. Like these aren't just changes for changes sake. It's changes because changes needed to be made. And the most noteworthy one I think is Derek Ryan going to that second line with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan, and we continue the trend of defensively responsible player playing alongside Gaudreau and Monaghan to try to help them keep the puck out of their own end. I'm interested to see how that line looks. I'm starting to realize more and more that we talk about this team being one top six forward away, and that is desperately, desperately needed because I would still like to see Ryan as a center and have Lindholm, Monaghan, Ryan, Backlund as your centers. But I can't give you a compelling case for one of the guys in the bottom six right now to move up into that top six spot that that Ryan is holding. So I think what you are seeing more and more is the needs that this roster actually has moving forward. But I'm interested to see how Ryan does tonight. Well, and the, the thing that actually makes me a little intrigued when it comes to Derek Ryan playing on that right side is the fact that he's a right shot. And that that is interesting to me only because... That's something that I know the Flames are looking for. And with Monaghan, Gaudreau, and Lindholm, and Lindholm being that right shot, I think that that helped them. And I think having a guy like Ryan, who I still believe is is absolutely best suited to playing center ice on this team. I don't believe that this should be a long-term thing. But even for a few games, to see what you have with Ryan as a right shot with Monaghan and Gaudreau and see if that can bring a little bit more out of that trio offensively, that's interesting to me because... If the Flames are going out to acquire a winger, if that is what they're going to do, my belief is that it's going to be a right-shot winger. Mm-hmm. And not not a guy who shoots left but can play the right side. A guy who plays the right side and shoots it from the right side. That That's going to be 
very interesting to me. So that's kind of the, the nuance that I'm interested in with Ryan playing there. Backlund's a left shot, so you never really saw that with him. And and I just think Backlund's best suited to play in center, too. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you. Having those four guys, Lindholm, Ryan, Monaghan, Backlund, in whatever order you want to slot them in as your four centers. Like, there is, to me, there is nothing but good that can come from that. But the hesitation, as you pointed out, I, I believe is that they feel that they are a few wingers short of having their ideal lineup. So when you've got an excess of centers and guys that you're comfortable shifting to the wing, you're probably going to do that if you're uncomfortable with how you're slotting on the two wings. And and I guess I can I guess I can understand that thinking. I'd still like to see those four centers get the shot down the middle, but they, they feel like they're thin on the wing. You can you can definitely tell that right now. Yeah, it's. I think it's very clear because, I mean, Dubé has been great, but I don't know if he's ready for that kind of a promotion. And then you get to Buddy Robinson very quickly. And, well, let's see how he handles an NHL game for the first time in about four years before we start talking about that. So, yeah, this is, this is kind of a – I mean, it's very much a need for the Flames right now. And while I love the player and think long-term he does have a role there, I'm not completely sold on the 2020 version of Andrew Mangiapane being a, a top-line winger either. I, I think you, you go out and acquire a couple top six forwards and things really start to stack up. But I, I'm, I mean, at that point, every team would love a couple top six wingers. But I, right. yeah, there, there, are, there are some real, real flaws with what we're looking at right now, I think. Puck drop, 7 o'clock tonight, Flames, St. Louis Blues, and then, of course, tomorrow. Did you know the Flames are playing the Oilers? Of course, we've got an entire show to set that up tomorrow. Tonight, focused on Calgary and St. Louis. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Mr. Klein, what are we looking at today? All right, question number one, just kind of uh, piggybacking off of... Wow, that thing ends rough. Uh, anyway, uh, just piggybacking off of... Uh, <laughs> I've never listened to it before. Uh, what we were talking about last segment. If you move Derek Ryan to center to have the Lindholm, Ryan, Backland, uh, Monaghan center grouping, of the forwards currently with the Calgary Flames organization, who would you put on that uh, top six winger spot that's been occupied by one of the centers over the last little bit? So hold on. So if like if it, this is going to be a a trade from outside the organization? Like, no, no. If you're moving okay. Ryan to center, who okay. in, in the organization? Oh, Austin Zarnick. Okay. I just think I just think at this point why not give him a shot? Zarnick was trending in a great direction prior to the high ankle sprain in October. He has not played in the NHL since October. I know the Flames were extremely happy with the direction the number two power play unit was going with the way Zarnick was playing. That line of Backlund, Kachuk, Zarnick looked like it was clicking. Zarnick's a right shot. Like, why not give him a try with that group? That that's that that would be the guy that I think you could really get a lot out of if he was playing consistently on an offensive line like Monahan and Gaudreau are on. Look, Monahan and Gaudreau have got two of the three highest offensive zone starts on the team and the two highest at forward. You put Zarnick in that same conversation with them, that guy's got a lethal shot. He's He's got a shot that can beat you from the outside. 
I, I think that'd be a really good fit, especially knowing the way the other lines are being constructed right now. To have Ryan back with Lucic and Dubé, I think is good. To have Majapani and Kachuk still playing with Lindholm, I think that's fine. And you can have Backlund with a, a Bennett and somebody else on another line, and you have two third lines and uh, a first line and, and a, a number one scoring line like Monaghan, Gaudreau, and Zarnik. I, I think it'd be a really good fit. I agree with you, and I you, you get the, the question right here. So you're one for one so far. I will baby. just say it, oh, baby. it is quite the, the statement of things when you say, okay, so if not this guy, who could play on your top six? Oh, the dude playing in Stockton right now. Great. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, question number two. The other game in the NHL tonight, uh, a real barn burner with Ottawa taking on Buffalo. The Buffalo Sabres are 10 points out of a playoff spot. I'm fine in calling them done. Um, are we allowed to say that this is disappointing for Buffalo yet? Because the excuse seems to be, oh, they're young, they're going into things. Oh, they're, they're young, they're growing. Haven't been to the playoffs since 2010, 2011, and haven't won a series since 2006, 2007. Is this season, missing out on the playoffs again, a disappointment for the Buffalo Sabres? Absolutely. They went out, they brought in a new head coach in Ralph Kruger. He was supposed to be the answer. This is a team that has made massive roster changes over the years they've tried to become deeper they've tried to build around jack eichel they've had a 10 game winning streak they were earlier in the year one of the hottest teams out of the gates and into the first two months of the season people were saying watch out for buffalo this is this is turning into a, a point now where it's like okay when's this gonna happen you're you've been young you've been promising for the longest time when are you going to figure it out? And to not make the playoffs for almost a decade straight in a town like that where that's one of the few American markets where hockey is a massive deal, That's that's got to be frustrating. So, yeah, uh, if they when they make the playoffs, or miss the playoffs rather this year because I'm with you, they're done. When the Sabres miss the playoffs this year, that is a very disappointing season. And I want to say it's been two or three years now when you've said to yourself, okay, maybe this is the year for the Sabres, and they haven't done it. So there's been a number of disappointing seasons for this group over the last little while. Since they moved into the Atlantic Division with the, the whole realignment thing, uh, this is their place in the division. Eighth, eighth, seventh, eighth, eighth, sixth. Um, that's rough. Yeah, that's not very good. Yeah, that is, uh, that, that's the opposite of very good. I will say, yeah. though, this is probably going to be another offseason of change. Uh, the forwards they have under contract for next year, Jeff Skinner, Marcus Johansson, Kyle Ocposo, Jack Eichel. Stuff. That's it. That Now, yep. I have a couple RFAs in there, but yeah, this is going to be uh, interesting times, but a disappointing season for Buffalo. Uh, so you're two for two so far. Last question. Uh, Matt Nichols, released by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or reports indicate he's going to be released by released the, early. Yes, early, yeah. Um, it was Zach Caleros signing a two-year contract with the Bombers yesterday. Nick Arbuckle, probably not coming back to the Stamps. I think we, we've all kind of wrapped our heads around that one. Would you look at Matt Nichols from a, a Stampeder standpoint with Bo Levi Mitchell having surgery, maybe being a little iffy for the start of the season? Would well, Matt Nichols be a, an option you would look at from the Stampeders? Absolutely, because I, 
you'd have to you'd have to allow him to exhaust all of his other options and see what else is out there because I think he'd like to start and he'd like to have an opportunity to truly be on top of the depth chart. Come to Calgary, you're not going to be on top of the depth chart. But yeah, I think that there is a real interesting conversation to be had there because as we say, we don't know if Bo is going to be good to go to start the season. So that's one thing. Um, number two, quarterbacks get hurt in this league, and you know we saw Bo miss a good chunk of time last year. I'm not saying it's going to happen again. He's been very durable over his career, but you never know. So to have a guy that you're comfortable in is is also important. And these two guys have got a pretty good relationship with one another. They both went to the same college, and they and while they you know were were there was some time between them going to the same college, they've always had a bond going through that same route and not coming up the same way a lot of other guys do. They, you know, Bo left Division One college and, and went to Div 1 AA, and Matt Nichols played Div 1 AA. There's, there's a good friendship between Nichols and, and Bo as well, too. So I, I think it'd be a really interesting fit for the team and a good one if they could get him on a contract that made sense for their salary cap, which I think is realistic, but it's only realistic after Nichols exhausts potential opportunities to be a starter. Yeah, if he doesn't end up with one of the Ontario teams, I'd be surprised. But if that ends up being the case, then I think it makes all the sense in the world for both him and the Stamps to try to make something work along those lines. We saw last year, every game's important in this West Division with Saskatchewan, Calgary, Winnipeg, uh, all three of them separated by four points. So every game, you can't just, okay, well, throw the backup in there and we'll see what happens. Kind of need those points if Bo is going to be missing any time. So uh, you went three for three on the day. Good job. Feeling good about myself, yeah, Klein. You should. My ego is out of control. <laughs> uh, as the Flames return from the break tonight, all I've got on my mind, it, it's true, all I've got on my mind is the trade deadline. I'll bounce my theory off a of Pinder around the corner. Kleiner and I talked about it this hour. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Next up, it's Pinder and Steinberg from the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Sports that 960 The Fan.